So anyway, uh, that's what our lesson is going to be about. It's a pretty simple lesson. Um, but I um, wanted you all to uh, think about that and think about um, the fact that he is real and think about the images that we get from the world and, um, you know, the, the fact that it seems like um, those things have tried to be suppressed. It's like, you know, we don't hear about this anymore. It's like uh, it's hidden, which I think we'll discover is one of his devices. But let's just look at a few scriptures. Um, I'm hoping y'all can read these. First uh, Peter 5, 8, Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Um, that sounds like something real and a real warning about something that really exists. This is uh, in Jude 1.9. We don't really know uh, the story of this, but we see that Michael the archangel says, but Michael the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Doesn't seem like a fictional character, the way the Bible portrays that right there. That seemed like something real. 1 John five nineteen. we know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. There again, doesn't, doesn't sound like some fictional character. Therefore, since this is Hebrews 2.14, therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. Just some basic stuff there. Uh, Mike should have had that blown up a little bit. This is the commonly known as, uh, and there are other terms, but I'm going to just kind of hit the highlight. So Satan is found, and I use uh, New American Standard, and I think it's a little different if you use the King James, how this falls out, but Satan was 54 times used in Scripture. The devil... 34 times, I thought it was interesting, all of the times that it's translated the devil was in the New Testament, every single one of them. Uh, evil one was 10 times, and we just read one of those. But AKA, also known as the tempter, the father of lies, the enemy, the ruler of this world, the god of this age, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, Belial, angel of light, great dragon, old serpent, the accuser, the deceiver of the whole world, the angel of the pit, and your adversary. Now I've noticed that, you know, uh, as a bad person or a good person, it takes a little while for you to get a nickname or two. You know, a little bit of A.K.A.? You know, oh, that's that's uh, old Joe, the thief. You know, he's been crooking his whole life. It's Joe, the thief. Or that's that's so-and-so, the 
whatever, right? It takes a while to get a little bit of a reputation, to get a little also known as, to get some other titles, right? You're the one known as this. Y'all see that? This cat's been at work a long time, right? And that's who he is, and he's earned these titles. These are, these are out of the book. There are a whole bunch more. But uh, when you think about how that works and how you get these kind of names, um, you, tend, you tend to have to work at those things to get those, and he, he'd been working at it. So, uh, y'all probably can't see that. You can read along with me. We're going to read Job 1.1 to Job 2.10, and I'm going to switch us over so that it'll have it up here in case y'all uh, want to do it that way. But I'm going to read it from here. I don't know if y'all can see that very well, but so Job one one, and we're going to read through two ten. And I want what I want y'all to pay attention to is what this character is capable of. We're, we're considering the power of, or what this guy's capable. You know what what this character's capable of. Let's. That's what I want us to think about as we read through this. So there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job, and that man was blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. Seven sons and three daughters were born to him. His possessions also were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and very many servants. And that man was the greatest of all the men of the east. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day. And they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When the days of feasting had completed their cycle, Job would send and consecrate them, rising up early in the morning and offering burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, Perhaps my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But but put forth your hand now and touch all that he has. He will surely curse you to your face. Then the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not put forth your hand on him. So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. Now on the day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and donkeys feeding beside them, and the Sabians attacked and took them. They also slew the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven, and burned up the sheep 
and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, another also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands and made a raid on the camels and took them and slew the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and behold, a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they died, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head, and he fell fell to the ground and worshipped. He said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. And he still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to ruin him without a cause. Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, skin for skin. Yes, all that a man has, he will give for his life. However, put forth your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh. He will curse you to your face. So the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your power. Only spare his life. And Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he put a potsherd to scrape himself while he was sitting among the ashes. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? In all this Job did not sin with his lips. So as you read through that, we kind of start trying to figure out what this guy or this character, uh, created being, is all about and what his power is like, right? So this story in Job kind of gives us a look. Um, now, can does he roam around like me and you? Like when he says he's roaming around walking on the earth, is it does he do it just like we do it? And he didn't need a plane ticket to get around. Um, and it seems like he can be here and there. I don't know. How, I can't do that. Um, and it's interesting to me that um, he would know about Job. Job. He obviously isn't um, all-knowing in the way that God is. But he's able to be around, and he knows about specific folks. Do y'all see that in that story? He knows who Job is. He knows about Job, right? Um, 
Does he have the power to incite violent mobs? Does he have influence over people? Where did some of this persecution that Job suffered come from? Groups of people, the neighbors that were incited against Job. Right? Who did that? This character right here did that. Do y'all detect supernatural abilities with regard to the weather? Did y'all see that in that reading? Health, disease, sickness. When God said, it's in your power, he's in your power, what did he mean? I mean, I'm going to let you do what you want to do. Did God know what he was able to do? Did he have the power of death? Because God said, what did he say? Just don't, you can't kill him. I'm not going to let you kill him. Did he kill a whole bunch of other folks? He did. So immediately when you start thinking about, you know, we read all those terms about who this character is, we know what he wants with us, right? And we know he knows probably who we are. Um, first thing you should start getting concerned about is uh, what are his limits and how then are we protected? That's what I, that's what I would immediately want to know. Um, when I begin to read or study about this character, what I want to know is, okay, wow, uh, how's this going to work? So, these are just a couple things that I pulled out. Uh, y'all, thankfully, y'all will. I'm sure that y'all will recognize these stories. So, uh, the deal where uh, Jesus sends the demons into the swine. This is that story. I've plucked these couple of verses out of Matt, uh, Mark, chapter five. The demons imploring him, saying, "Send us into the swine, so that we may enter them." So. The demons are looking for what? Permission. Jesus gave them permission. And coming out, the unclean spirits entered the swine. And the herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea, 2,000 of them, and they were drowned in the sea. So, um, who's got control over that realm? Over those characters that exist there? So you say, well, that's just the demons. So I got this other verse. So uh, Luke 22, 31 and 32. This is Jesus having a conversation with Peter. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan, not the demons, Satan, this guy we're talking about, has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. Um. He knew who Job was. He knew who Peter was. 
And uh, what did he want with Peter? I don't think it was good. Jesus said, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail and you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Now, if you keep reading this passage, does Jesus know about Peter's impending failure right here? When Jesus is telling him this, does Jesus already know about Peter's failure? He does. But what were the limits placed on that? What do you think that as Peter faced those things that he had some protection from Jesus? I mean, because what, what could Satan do? What would Satan do? What would he do if there weren't limits placed on him? Y'all got any ideas? Um, it wouldn't be good. So, let's look at the schemes and devices that we see that he has. So, Matthew 13... 37 through 43. Matthew 13, 37 through 43. Okay. So, again, I'm going to try to have it up here. And he said, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. This is Jesus explaining the parable, right? I'm not doing the whole thing. This is Jesus explaining it. The one who sows the good seed is the son of man, and the field is the world. And as for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom, and the tares are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. And the harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. So just as the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so shall it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send forth His angels and they will gather out of His kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness. Where? The Son of Man will send forth His angels and they will gather out of where? Where where will they gather out of? His kingdom. Which is what? far as we're concerned right now today it's this right here all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness lawlessness and will throw them into the furnace of fire in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father he who has ears let him hear so like I say this image that I had as a kid, and the image that you find when you look on Google, this big scary thing, he's got some pretty tricky stuff he does. And when the tares are coming up, they look just like the wheat. It's at the end when you can really tell the difference, right? Um, and so it is. Uh, that one of the devil's devices, or one of his ways, 
is to cast his seed in the kingdom. Basically, he sows bad seeds in with the good. Right? Doesn't look like he worries about sowing bad seeds in with the bad. I mean, I don't see an example of that. So, 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15. 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. Um, so as you're thinking about this opponent, right, um, these are some of his devices. This is how he's working. Um, we're being told what our adversary is going to do. And think about Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Well, angel of light, does that sound good to y'all? I mean, that sounds good, right? Would you think it would look good to you? Do you think the devil's smart enough to know how to do this? What about his servants? It says they disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. I'm going to say that that's going to be pretty effective. First Timothy, well, First Timothy three four through seven. Let's look at this one. 1 Timothy 3, 4 through 7. So this, see up at the top, qualifications for overseers. This is talking about qualifications for elders. So he must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? And not a new convert, so that he will not be become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil. And he must have a good reputation with those outside the church, so that he will not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. So, when you start thinking about What he's doing there, it looks like he's willing to use your pride, your inexperience, and even your reputation to ensnare you, right? Those are some of his devices that are revealed there in this idea of, of providing for us some qualifications of an elder. That the devil, part of his snare, is your own pride, your own inexperience, and your reputation. He'll use all of those things against you. And I, I know y'all are all smart enough to figure out how he would use those. Right? Um, have you ever seen public figures uh, in an effort to protect their own reputation really go down a bad rabbit hole? 
So this is another place where we learn a lot about the devil. Luke 4, 1 through 13. Let's read that together. Luke 4, 1 through 13. And this is the temptation of Jesus. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they had ended, he became hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. And he led him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Yeah, let me ask y'all something. When it says that, and he led him up, that's the devil, is that first he. Led him up and showed him, showed him. that's Jesus with the capital right there, all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. That's a pretty cool trick, right? This is not something... This ain't, this ain't just some dude. It ain't just some horned goat running around, right? Um, this is a very capable being created that, that came from and was created to be in heaven. An eternal being, an eternal immortal being created by God to be there for a purpose who's abandoned his purpose and abandoned, you know, what he was uh, built for, but uh, this ain't you and me. Uh, This is a very capable critter. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this domain and its glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I give it to whoever I wish. That's scary. Right by itself. Scares me to think about it. Because guess where we live? We live there. That's where we live. That's where we are right now. Therefore, if you worship me, it shall all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And he led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every temptation, he left him until an opportune time. Um, Who in here thinks they know the Bible better than the devil? Who in here thinks he's probably pretty well equipped and his servants are pretty well equipped to make uh, subtle changes in that, in the truths that are found there for his benefit and not for yours. I would guess he knows it pretty good. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4.
And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So, if the gospel is veiled, who's it veiled to? Those that are dying. In, that, in whose case, those that are dying, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Uh, wow, that's real mean. Y'all see what he's busy doing? The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. Why? So they might not see the truth. Right? The light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, which is what? The truth. Um, That's scary business. Ephesians 4.14 As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. You know, kind of begin to get a picture you know, you see in that Second Corinthians, he can blind the mind to the truth. I don't know how that works. But I do know it's based on your choice, right? And it seems that we're lost by trickery, craftiness, and deceit. The King James Version in that, talking about those that do these things, Right? Lie in wait. And when I think about this term, lying in wait, I think about like a, y'all ever seen a video, the the lion or the cheetah or whatever, kind of waiting in the bushes over there, kind of tunkered down, waiting for that gazelle not to be paying attention. That's kind of what I think about. It sounds like a predator hoping to catch a meal. Acts 13.10. Now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be uh, blind and not see the sun for a time. And immediately a mist and a darkness fell on him, and he went about seeking those who would lead him by the hand. Now this is uh, the first miracle uh, that we see Paul perform. And that's this guy, Elymas. Y'all remember the story, right? Um. When you look at the verse preceding the one that I read, verse 10, alright, so this is Paul dealing with uh, Elymas, and he says, You who are full of all deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, you will not cease to make crooked the ways of the Lord. So what is it that Elymas is doing 
And where does Paul relate that source to be, right? And how serious does Paul think about this? And that's... Oh... Uh, and you see what was the guy's uh, method? It was deceit and fraud. Basically, he's a liar. And, you know, when you think about how that people are led away, um, it's with lies and deceit. And we've talked about self-deception in here a good bit. Um we know where that comes from, but it um, comes from you and me. Uh, but who's active in helping with this process? 1 Thessalonians 2.18. So this is, again, Paul. For we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, for more than once, more than once, and yet Satan hindered us. Well, what was Paul trying to do? Spread the gospel. Does it tell us exactly what Satan did to hinder him? Doesn't. But let me ask y'all something. Does, does Paul recognize that the devil, Satan, is working to hinder the gospel and to hinder the work of the kingdom? And, and show it to us right here. So this character is working against your work. Trying to shut you down. Trying to shut that down. So what can I do? I think it's pretty obvious from when we kind of study and think about the capabilities of the devil uh miss carrie will tell you i have i still as even as an adult i'll wake up kicking and knocking the sheets off the bed i'm after him we're, we're at it right well that wouldn't really work right me and him mono e mono that's not going to work is it submit therefore to god resist the devil and he will flee from you. Well, those two things are tied together in the same verse. You need to think about what they have to do with each other. Because what does the devil want for you? Nothing good. What does God want for you? Everything good. Uh, so, submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But the Lord is faithful and He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. And when we look in scriptures, we see that. This is kind of what I come across that's uh, scary for me, right? This is uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, starting in verse 8, reading through verse 12. Then that lawless one, that lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by his appearing by the appearance of his coming. That is, the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan with all power and signs and false wonders 
and with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish. Why? Because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. So what would have made the difference? What would have made the difference with these deceived folks? If they'd have loved the truth, right? That's what would save them. And loving the truth would make you do what? Submit to God. That's what we just read. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false in order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. So, who's the deluding influence? Who was causing problems for Job? And who let it happen? Y'all see how that works? Who's the deluding influence? Think about it. Alright? Does God know exactly what Satan is about? And what he will do? If he turns him loose with these limits, this is what he's going to do. He knows. So this idea of loving the truth and believing the truth and submitting to him uh, are imperative. So, what's scary for the devil? 1 John 3, 8. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. So, Jesus came for that purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Romans 16, 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet the the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you that's pretty comforting Revelations 20.10 and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are also and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever that's his end that's that's what Revelation has to say about uh, what's waiting on him this is the final thought. Uh, Ephesians 6. It's starting in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Now, I've got some stuff underlined here. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against what? The schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, stand firm. Therefore, having girded your loins with the truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So a couple things as you read this. What does he tell young men to flee? Fornication, right? Run away from those things. 
Does he tell you to run away from the devil? Or stand firm? Isn't that interesting? Uh, there are things to flee and there's things to stand firm against. Uh, who are we supposed to fear? God. Does it tell you to fear the devil? No. It tells you to stand firm. That you, you equip yourselves with the things that what? That God provides, that God supplies. Who supplies these things in Ephesians 6? God does. Who prepares you for the fight that is this life against this adversary. Against this adversary. Right? God does. So I've got a picture here. So I did find me an image um, that I thought was probably a lot more accurate than the one I had as a kid. That's the way he works right there. That's all of the devices that we saw. So why does he work in that way? That's something to think about. Why wouldn't he work in that other way? Has God limited what he can do to you? Is he under control of a God who's promised to protect you? Right? And what's the condition for that? What's the what's the contingency there? That you would do what? That you would submit to God. Right? Submit to God and the truth and lies should both be evident, right? You should be able to pick that character out if you submit to God. You should be able to find him. There he is. I see him, right? But is he good at that? And do we have some things we need to do? So, anyway, as we uh, think about that particular subject, our adversary, uh, and what his devices are, let's don't forget that he's active, that he's going to be working against you, but that you can stand firm, right? And that being supplied by God with the armor that you need, um, you can endure. You can win because you're on the winning team. You're on the side of Jesus, and he wins, and we already know the outcome, right? So let's remember that the adversary is out there and that he's working and he's active and he's smart and he's capable. But Jesus is better. So if you find yourself subject to the invitation of Christ, if you would, we ask you would come forward while we stand and sing the song that's been provided. There's a path and free for you and me.